Philippians chapter 2 is where we're at tonight. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> so appreciate seeing you here this evening. Midweek service, and as we do a little Bible study now, always grateful to have a group here on Wednesday evening. Philippians chapter 2, just to, just to touch base on the, the calendar heresy from a few minutes ago. Um, last time I was at a youth activity, I asked that question, and nobody raised their hand. I just want to say... So the problem with this, we're all old here, so that's why we're all using calendars still. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I, I, I'm thankful that he encouraged me to get them because it's been a blessing to people, and that's good. That's a, that's a blessing. Philippians 2, we have went through the examples that Jesus has given us to uh, how, we are, how we're to be here, looking first at Jesus. Uh, that took us a few weeks. Tonight we'll look at the remaining two and uh, that's going to take a shorter time because he doesn't spend quite as much time as he do with Jesus. But so Jesus was the first example, and tonight we look at two human examples. And uh, the purpose in, in, in going through this uh, passage that we'll read, and then uh, as we unpack it here and talk about it, uh, these guys aren't perfect. So it's better when we're, when we're, it's a little easier for us, I guess, as we compare ourselves to two men than it is to Jesus Christ, obviously, because we can never attain his perfection. But uh, So here Paul does lift them up there. And we're not about, you know, bringing glory to men. But here were two faithful men, and Paul says some things about them that we can learn from, we can apply. And so I'd like to just ask ourselves as we go through here, the things that Paul says about them, can it be said about us? Do we have the character qualities that Timothy and Epaphroditus had as we read through this. So let's start verse number 19, and we'll read through verse 30. <clears throat> uh, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your, mess but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Oh, cannot tell you. Well, you know if you're in the Christian life too. What a blessing it is to have companions, uh, fellow laborers, fellow soldiers, uh, to have to, to be able to serve the Lord with other people. It's such a blessing in the Christian life. Verse 26, For he longed after you all, and he was full of heaviness, because ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Rejoice, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Father, I pray you'd help us as we go through these verses, help us to learn something that maybe can apply to how we live, how we are, and if, uh, if you convict of us in an area that we would respond to it, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Timothy was a, a, an example of, of triumph in service. He was a servant. Uh, Timothy's 
uh, was the person here that Paul, Paul can't go. He's in prison, we know. As he's writing the book of Philippians, he would have loved to go visit them, but he was in a Roman jail here. He, he, was, uh, he was incarcerated. So because he could not go himself, he wants to send someone, a trusted delegate to these folks. He sends two men, or talks. he's sending Epaphroditus with the letter, but he has a desire to send Timothy as well. And uh, so he, he says, starts out with, I trust in the Lord Jesus, send Timothy shortly unto you. In other words, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you soon. Now, in the original language, the name Timothy here, uh, the position of the name in the sentence implies a, an emphasis on the name. I can't come, but he is coming uh, in my place is the idea. Now, Timothy was a well-known companion of Paul, and, and uh, I've kind of got a whole list of things here where uh, he was at and the, and the history of, of their relationship. Uh, we know that he was uh, raised by his mother and grandmother. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 talks about their faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, his father was Greek, according to Acts chapter 16. Uh, he evidently died when Timothy was very young. And so he was raised by his mother and his grandmother and taught the Bible, taught about God uh, from them. And Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Uh, you know, a boy without a dad, young man without a dad, needs needs a man to look up to, needs somebody to be an example to him. And Paul fit the bill there. Timothy, Paul was kind of his father figure, and Timothy uh, was willing to learn from him. Uh, most likely, he got saved during Paul's first missionary visit to Lystra. Now, it's totally possible that uh, Paul... I'm not saying this happened, but Paul could have re recovered from his stoning at Timothy's mother and grandmother's house. We don't know, but it's possible. I didn't know that many people there. So at any rate, Timothy got to know him, uh, and, and that's when he got saved during that first ministry journey. And right away, there seems to have been a bond between these two men. Paul would be the kind of guy that was eager to pass on his knowledge, as we see in all his writings, and Timothy was a young man who was eager to learn and uh, needed somebody to teach him desperately. Uh, Paul chose Timothy to go with him on his second missionary journey. Uh, this is uh, where Paul had Timothy circumcised so that he would be, have a better ministry to the Jews, and, uh, so, and which, again, what a, what a great testament of Tim, Timothy's willingness to serve, right? I mean, if you're going to say yes to that, you're pretty much willing servant and to do whatever God wants you to do. And so uh, to just I, I always thought that was a, said, said a good thing of Timothy. Uh, Timothy was with Paul at Philippi, Thessalonica. He was with Paul at Berea. Uh, he stayed at Berea uh, when Silas went with Paul on to Athens. Then Timothy joined Paul at Athens, and uh, then Paul sent him to Thessalonica. He was just, they were, he was used, he was willing to go where he needed to go. Uh, on his second missionary journey, he was with Paul at Ephesus, and then Paul sent him on to Macedonia, to Corinth. Uh, he was with Paul during his first imprisonment, and uh, after that, it's not too clear exactly what happened and where Timothy was, but it uh, seems to have went with him to Ephesus, and according to 1 Timothy 1.3, it seems like Paul left him there to uh, be a help to that church. The last mention of Timothy comes just uh, after Paul's rearrest in Rome, and uh, his execution is imminent, and he wrote to Timothy and urged him to bring his cloak and his books. I think it's interesting uh, that Paul's about to die, and he still wants his books. He still wants to, you know, it's never too late for us to learn, to read, uh, to, to apply ourselves. Uh, you ask, what does a dying man need with books? Well, Paul wanted them, and they were a, a comfort to him, and he was never done learning. When Paul was writing to the Philippians, 
uh, hoping to send Timothy here uh, to them uh, here in the passage that we read. Uh, many Philippians would have known Timothy uh, from when, when he had come to town with Paul to start their church. He could not have chosen a better man uh, or one that he loved and trusted more. Uh, he, he, again, like I said earlier, did sort of put him on a pedestal here before the Philippians as an example of triumph in service. Now, I think it is a good thing for us to not idolize people, but to have a healthy enough respect for people and learn from them. I, I know... I've had these discussions with with uh, others never have a hero until they're dead because then they can't mess up anymore, you know. Uh, we've had spiritual heroes. I had as as a boy growing up, I was the way I was raised was a little different. We weren't into sports at all, so my heroes were preachers. I, I idolized preachers. And so, but some of those heroes of mine uh, aren't in the ministry anymore or went into sin and did different things. And so it is... We don't want to idolize people to that level. Uh, but on the other hand, if somebody's being faithful for God, nothing wrong with giving him some due credit. And here's what Paul was doing here. Uh, now, whether Paul actually ever sent Timothy to Philippians, that's up for debate. There's no proof of that. Uh, people go back and forth on that. That's not the point of this. But Paul's mindset was that he would like to send him there. Verse 20, he says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Now, Men who think and are like the Apostle Paul would be a rare breed. Somebody that's like Paul, that dedicated to ministry, is very hard to find anyone in any age, then and now, who has a genuine, self-sacrificing type of spirit and has a natural care and love for the spiritual needs of others above their own. That's just not found very often. Uh, we, it would be nice to find it more, but we don't. We don't find that too often. So probably as it is even today, it probably was then too, there would be a shortage of candidates for Paul to find that would have that type of like-minded mindset. Uh, there may have been some who had the necessary talents, but not the necessary time. There might have been some that had the, the, ta- the time and the talents, uh, but not the temperament. You know how it is. We just It's hard to sometimes find the right people for the right job. But in Timothy, here Paul says... He's like-minded. I've, I've no man like-minded like this young man, Timothy. What a thing to say about him. His natural way of caring for people made him the right man for the job. Look what he says, who will naturally care for your state. Small sentence, huge, huge uh, character trait right there. Do we naturally care for other people's state? This is a, this is a wonderful thing to say about anybody. We ought to have the love of Christ for other people. We ought to care for others. Now, for some, it comes more naturally than others. I remember, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was at a youth pastor conference, and I was talking to another youth pastor. He'd been in doing it for years, and he started telling me how much he hated teenagers. I was like, what What in the wide world are you doing, you know, and this this is, he wanted to be in ministry, he, just, he was just sick of teenagers, didn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. Um, you better get out if you don't love the people you're dealing with. You've got to have a natural love uh, for it. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't come as natural, but then ask the Lord for it. I have asked God in every ministry that I've been to, and I asked him repeatedly, let me, and I was just talking to uh, uh, Tavana the other day, she kind of did the same thing, working, asking God for a love for the people you're going to be working with. And I promise you, he'll give it to you. 
Sometimes it's, it brings on more pain, to be quite honest. But, but he'll give you that love. If you, if you ask God for the love uh, that you need for, the, for your Sunday school class, for uh, the group of people that you're working with, for the kids at VBS, wherever it is, uh, kids on the bus, or whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, you ask God to give you a love for them, and he'll do it. He'll give you a love for that, because that, that is a request that agrees with him. And, and uh, when we ask anything uh, according to his will, uh, the Bible says he'll do it for us. So Timothy had a natural caring uh, for other folks, and I believe that's a great, great qualification uh, for ministry here. And for church work, we need to have a caring attitude and a caring spirit for people. I ask many visitors, because I do follow-up, and I, I I try to meet with with couples, and, and I just ran into one the other day in Sioux Falls, kind of neat. They've been visiting our church, and they were down there, and I ran into them as well. And uh, But I, I like to get feedback from our church, and there's just no greater feedback that I get than... You have a loving church, you have a caring church. and I, I want to be spiritual, I want to be godly, I want to have all those things, but uh, to people just coming in, that's what ought to grab them. We ought to love on them, we ought to care for them. What did the Bible say? This By this shall all men know you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. So let's have that. That's what Timothy had here. This is a great commendation of Timothy. Uh, be a true servant, be really ready, be willing, be able but we need to have love for those that we're working with. Naturally care for your state. And then, verse 21, he gives the other side of the picture here. Uh, all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. So, the, the, the curse of the local church today is a lack of commitment. There's just very few people ready to make an all-out commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that's evident. That's why we have a full house on Sunday morning, and and it gets a little more scarce on the evening services. Thank you for being here, by the way. I think it's a great, uh, a, it's a blessing for me to have you. I hope that you get blessed when you're here. Amen. Uh, but but uh, that it's it's an obvious thing. I'm not putting anybody down. It's just something that's obvious. We see it. Uh, people don't make a commitment today. Like I I was thinking this this uh, Friday afternoon. It, it, this this is this has the tendency to make me bitter, so I don't put much time or thought into it. Having a football game, okay, we're calling off school for this football game. It's a big deal, man. Bobcats are going to lose to, Bobcats are going to play Pierre, okay, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But undoubtedly, there's going to be bundled up people all up in those stands, suffering through the cold, no matter how bad it is. You know, we're two degrees off in here. I don't know, that church is just too cold or it's too hot in there. You know what I'm saying? People, people will suffer through any discomfort until it comes to the Lord. And all of a sudden, everything's got, I mean, the planets have to line up, the stars have to be just right, everything's got to be just right, and then we'll go to church. Uh, we need some commitment. And this, here's the problem right here, all seek their own. That's why... People don't commit themselves to Christ. Why? You're, either, you're going to commit to something. You're going to commit to yourself. You're going to commit to Christ. And most people seek their own. And so Paul's saying, look, Timothy is not like most people. This is not a normal thing because everyone else, most people seek their own. And so that's why most churches, I, I've heard the analogy that churches are like football games. You have, you know, a thousand people desperately in need of exercise, watching ten people desperately in need of rest. 
Uh, that's kind of how churches are. Uh, the, the, uh, the few usually do most of the work. And, and uh, it's difficult to find anyone that's just willing to say, here am I, send me, use me in any way possible. And so praise the Lord for people that have that spirit and that attitude. That's why uh, there's vacancies in, in, in many, even our ministries right now, there's, there's vacancy. We have vacancy in Sunday school class, vacancy on the bus, vacancy in, uh, in uh, different areas, always a vacancy in nursery. Uh, because, you know, I, I think many of us would go to Beirut rather than work in the ministry, uh, in the nursery, but uh, that's just, uh, it needs to be done, amen? Praise God for those that will work in there. In verse 21, we see the Lady Laodicean, if I can work, say the word, mindset. It's one that says, me first. That's that, all seek their own. That's a me first spirit. I don't, you, I don't know if you guys grew up on Patch the Pirate, but one of the Patch the Pirate villains is King Me First. I remember the story of hearing that as a kid. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a great, great series of tapes for kids. But uh, King Me First, and that's how we live, a lot of people. Look, remember the man in Luke 21? Suffer me first to go bury my father. And right after that, another said, let me first go bid them farewell. Uh, which are at home. Jesus rebuked them both, Luke chapter 9. Uh, no one with a me-first attitude is going to be a successful servant of God. All right? we, we need to put God first. We can't have me first. Uh, as soon as the focus in any... And I, we, we see it in our churches, we see it in ministry, we see it in our families. As soon as the focus turns from uh, without from serving, from being involved, and it turns to me, that's when problems begin. That's when we get offended easily. That's when we get angry easily. That's when we start to be critical. That's when we start to point fingers because we are putting the focus right here. We cannot be a bunch of king me firsts. We have to be him first. And when we are focused outward, then, then what's going to be the main part of our business is the serving, what we're doing, the work that we're involved in, not uh, what's being done to me, all right? I'm not trying to say we should, you know, uh, suffer abuse or anything, but you know what I'm saying. We turn our focus inward, we're going to start to have problems. We get way oversensitive. Uh, let's have the right attitude. That's what uh, Paul's saying here. Look, most people seek their own things, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Uh, True service is total service. Look at the two sides of the coin in this one verse. Their own things, that's one side, and then the things which are Jesus Christ. We are called to do the work of him. Remember what Jesus did? Took upon him the form of a servant. We just talked about that in his example. Now if he, the king of the universe, the creator of everything, can take on him the form of a servant, how, what right do we have to seek our own? So let's make sure we have that right attitude. We're called to do his work. He went all the way. Jesus went, Jesus had no reservations. How then can we say that we'll go a little way or we'll go part of the way? Let's be sold out to him. We need to be committed, total service. And this was a, an example here that Timothy was given, an example of total, total service. Paul recognized in Timothy a loyal companion, a faithful preacher, we know that there were times that Timothy had problems. Timothy had problems with intimidation. He had uh, people intimidated him. And so Paul constantly had to 
kind of buck him up. Hey, uh, in fact, and I'll read you a couple of verses, 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example to the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. 2 Timothy 1.6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So Paul had to remind him constantly, Timothy, don't be intimidated by people. You've got the power of God in your life. Do the work of God. Stir up the gift of God. So he was a, an example of total service. also an example of tested service. Look at verse 22. You know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, who hath, he has served me in the gospel. You've seen the joy that people had, or the joy that Paul had, I should say, when uh, he thought of all the people he knew that were still serving God. There's something special about Timothy. He thought of him as a son with a father. He was reminding them of his relationship with him. They would have no trouble remembering the... You remember when Paul went to uh, Philippi with Silas? They got whipped. They were uh, put in the stocks that night. They sang, and then the jail was open. Remember that whole story? Well, the next morning, remember the magistrates called and... Uh, and then Paul announced to them, you shouldn't have done this to a Roman citizen. This was a big deal. You didn't do this to a Roman citizen. Well, now he was kind of scared. and He said, well, release him immediately. And Paul said, no, you want to release me? You can come release me yourself. Remember that story part of it? We went through that. All right. I, I think it's interesting. I never really thought about this until I was reading uh, one commentator. And he said, you know, it's very possible that uh, Paul was protecting Timothy at that point because if he'd have announced his Roman status before, then they would not have scourged him and they very well might have went after somebody else and maybe he feared that his, his, uh, his punishment would have re been redirected at Timothy so he just kept his mouth shut and took the punishment. Uh, Philippians would remember that kind of devotion. They also would remember Timothy's devotion to Paul. Paul's essentially saying, you know the proof of him. Uh, Timothy's proved himself. Uh, we ought to... We, uh, and so he's basically telling them, listen to him. In verse 22, I think it's interesting here, but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served me in the gospel. That word served is doulos, means to, a slave. He was a slave. He was a slave to me. Timothy was willing to be a bond slave to be a help to Paul. So he wasn't an unproved youth. He was not a novice. He was a proven servant. And I, I think it's a... It's a blessing that people are willing to be servants. Just, you know, Timothy had no... Uh, Timothy, you know, he, he, he became a great young leader in the early church, but he was willing first to just be a servant. He wasn't looking to build a name for himself. He's just willing to be a slave of Paul to help him out. Uh, what a blessing that is. Uh, look at when Paul was sending Timothy. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently... So soon as I see, shall see how it will go with me. Paul was incarcerated, like we said. Uh, his own situation uh, was precarious. He didn't know what was going to happen, so he felt somebody ought to go, so he planned to send Timothy here. I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly, he said. So he, he uh, had faith uh, that it was not, not just optimism, by the way. He had a real sense of God's will for his life, and uh, it, it looked bad for him at that time, but he still could be an optimist. But don't forget that Paul's credo for life is for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So Paul was like, you know, if I live, good. If I die, better. That's how Paul felt. It's a twisted way of thinking. That's a lot of spiritual maturity for, for him to be 
that, uh, that in, in touch with his Christianity. Paul's eye was on Christ, not on Nero. Now, we can presume from later letters that Paul wrote that he was set free for a season, so uh, he, he had this faith and it did come to pass. Now, he had no such optimism when he wrote the letter of 2 Timothy. He wrote that letter during his second imprisonment. He knew then that uh, his martyrdom was in, imminent, and, and so it was. Other references show us that Paul's very tuned into the will of God, Acts 20, 21. Uh, he was uh, determined to go to Jerusalem, even though everybody was trying to dissuade him, and then there's other places as well. Um, as I mentioned before, there's no evidence that Timothy ever actually got sent to Philippi uh, to visit them, but that was his desire, and, uh, and it seems that Paul eventually did visit the Philippians uh, instead of sending Timothy. According to uh, Cebius, it's a historian that wrote uh, about the early church, Timothy was the first bishop in Ephesus. Uh, according to Nisiphorus, another historian, Timothy was clubbed to death um, at a, at the, remember the, the goddess Diana we've talked about, Paul talked about that several times. He had a big, big uh, a worship party going on for her and he was preaching against the debauchery at that party and he was clubbed to death is what history tells us. So Timothy, a faithful servant. And then we have Epaphroditus. Uh, his is an example here of triumph in resolve. Uh, his ministry, Timothy was triumph in service, and then he uh, here triumphed in his resolve. Looking at his ministry, look at verse 25. Uh, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, uh, that he had ministered to my wants. Now, he was initially sent uh, to the Philippians by Paul. Uh, Paul had nothing but praise for this otherwise unknown Christian. We don't know anything else about him. I always, I always have to use my imagination when you see these kind of random names in the New Testament. You have no idea whether they're somebodies or nobodies. They might have been big people, you know, in that time. But uh, otherwise, he's unknown. He starts his eulogy here by calling him my brother. Timothy, he considered his son. Epaphroditus, he considers his brother. No one did more, by the way, to spread the family spirit throughout this early uh, burgeoning local church than Paul did. He always tried to bring that idea of we are a family. He's the one that talked about it being a body. He's the one that talked about it, how we need to be of one spirit, of one mind. I wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.10 about we all think the same thing and do the same thing. Uh, this, this is because of, he promoted this unity and this family atmosphere. And so uh, he did that here as well. If Epaphroditus was not only a brother in the family, but he was a, a fellow worker in the field, he was not afraid to roll up his sleeves and get busy with Paul. He called him a fellow laborer. Not only that, he called him a fellow soldier. He was not afraid to take on the enemy. Now this is high praise for Epaphroditus from a guy like Paul, who we know had really high standards for who he worked with. Remember he was ready to ditch Mark when Mark just like didn't go with him to some place he wanted to go to. Uh, his, his friend uh, uh, Barnabas said, no, 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 we, he's, he's fine. No, we're not taking him, not having him. Not ha and they had a big contention and they actually split up because he would refuse to work with Mark because Mark had, whatever Mark did, uh, you know, it wasn't, wickedness it was just he didn't quite measure up to Paul's standards Paul had some really high standards here and he says some really good things about Epaphroditus 
while he was there with Paul in Rome, he had proved himself a man with after Paul's own heart. But now Paul's about to send him back to Philippi. Uh, it seems like he is the bearer of this letter that Paul sent him back with. So he was sent to the Philippians by him, but before that he was sent to, to uh, uh, by, the, by the Philippians to Paul. You're a messenger. He that ministered to my wants. Notice the language that Paul uses here. The word messenger uh, usually refers to an apostle or a missionary in the New Testament. The expression he that ministered is translated from a word that means a public minister or a servant of the state. Uh, this expression was used to uh, be applied to the priests and Levites. Uh, Paul's choice of words here show that he considered Epaphroditus to be a missionary minister. He had been sent by the Philippians to meet his needs, to help him, and he was more than just a mailman here, or more than just bringing an offering. Uh, he was a great help, and he ministered to Paul, uh, just as Paul had once ministered the Philippians. Thank God for godly men like this. You know, again, unknown, largely, in the New Testament, but uh, Timothy's a little better known, but here's Epaphroditus. We really don't know much about him, but we know that he helped the Apostle Paul. He was an encouragement to him. And, man, if that's all you can do, just to, to be an encouragement to someone that's uh, serving alongside you or a, a Christian leader in your life or somebody, just, just being an encouragement, uh, there's plenty, plenty of people around to be naysayers. There's plenty of critical people. All right, If you are of a critical mindset, quit and just become an encourager. There's plenty of critical people. That slot has been filled, all right? We don't need any more. Just be an encourager. Uh, lift people up. And, and uh, what a blessing this is that, that Epaphroditus was doing that for Paul. Because, hey, you know what? Paul's need encouragement too. And look at what it meant to him. We, we think of Paul, and we think of a guy with, you know, three-inch steel skin. Uh, nothing ever bothered him. He was rock, rock solid. I mean, he just preached it as it was. You know what Paul needed? Encouragement. He needed encouragement too. He needed an Epaphroditus in his life. And uh, man, we can't be a Paul, but every single one of us can be an Epaphroditus. We can all be a Barnabas. And so that's my encouragement tonight is, uh, you know, even if our first example, although we ought to strive for it, but Christ is a little out of our reach. <laughs> Maybe you're closer than I am, but he's a little out of my reach to be like, but I can be a Timothy. I can be an Epaphroditus, and so let's let's strive for those things here. Uh, Epaphroditus had a tremendous selflessness in his suffering. The Bible says he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Now, again, pay attention to the words. He was not full of heaviness. Uh, by the way, it's it's bad enough to be sick, but to be sick away from home. Then you got the homesickness going, and you got the sickness going to this full of heaviness means <coughs> of great anguish, distress, depressed. It's the same word that's used to describe Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew twenty six thirty seven, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. That same word there, heavy, as the heaviness. Word full of, uh, the, that full of heaviness uh, uh, phrase. The sorrow of the Savior 
you know what it prompted him to do? To try to have Peter, James, and John pray with him. Again, uh, that encouragement, the togetherness, the working together in something. There's a kind of sorrow here that seized Epaphroditus. But notice why. He was not depressed, not full of heaviness because he was sick away from home and among strangers. Look at the verse says again. He was full of heaviness because that he had been sick. That's not what it says. Because that ye had heard <coughs> that he had been sick. What burdened him is that his friends back home uh, and his family at Philippi would worry about him. In other words, his, his depression or his heaviness was not caused by self-pity, which is the usual cause of our depression, if we're depressed, if we're heavy. Usually, why? Because Paul just told you a few minutes ago, because everyone... Uh, is concerned about themselves. That's why we usually, our depression, our heaviness comes from uh, self-sorrow. He was anguished by an unselfish concern for others. He did not want others to be burdened with his troubles. We, we're talking here about a very selfless man, uh, Epaphroditus. Look at the seriousness of his sickness in verse 27. Indeed, he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Well, I get that. Uh, Paul would have been devastated had he lost Epaphroditus, and it was evidently a serious illness. And so Paul talked about his relief that Epaphroditus got better. It spared him from added sorrow. I think it's interesting that later, uh, let's look at verse 28, actually. Um, he, he's still going to be sorrowful, end of verse 28, but he's less sorrowful. <laughs> I sent him home, I'll be less sorrowful. So I'd, I'd be sorrow upon sorrow had he died. It's a little better if you have to send him away, but you know they're alive and well, so it'd be a little less sorrowful. Uh, but you know, we can see he, he, he saw both mercy of God on him, uh, but on me also. So he, Paul saw it as God's mercy on himself that Epaphroditus was, uh, got well again. And I know what that's about. We're all blessed when we hear good news on behalf of someone else. You know, many of you know that uh, Lee Pratt went to have uh, uh, MRI the other day when they they check if you have a brain or something like that. They, isn't that the head? I think it's the head. I'm, I'm not very medical, but um, so she called me Monday. No cancer. Nothing. No. No. Everything's clean. And man, praise the Lord! Rejoice. That's. That's a blessing, all right? We can rejoice together for that. Uh, it's not, it wasn't my MRI, but it was MRI of somebody I love, all right? And so the mercy of God is on them, and it's also on me. That's what Paul's talking about here. Look at his memory here. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be less sorrowful. It would be tough for Paul to lose a fellow laborer. It always is. It leaves a tremendous void. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing. David once told Jonathan, Thou shalt be missed, because thy seat shall be empty. Now think of that even when people aren't in church. Their seat's empty, you know, because you know where you sit, and nobody dares sit there. <laughs> people tend to sit in the same places. And, and, uh, and so I, I understand that sadness there. Imagine the sadness Paul had as he's sitting in his cell looking where Epaphroditus might have sat every day and, and uh, encouraged him and stayed with him there. But, but if he had died, his loss would have been greater. So he sent him, receive him therefore, he said, in the Lord with all gladness. He had no doubt the reception that Epaphroditus would, would receive. They'd meet him at the dock 
uh, they, he would be escorted into Philippi. There'd be a reception. There'd be fried chicken and everything at Lydia's home, probably. And uh, they'd have him, uh, they'd have a party for him, and they'd receive him. And Paul uh, didn't, didn't want them to think he was uh, sad about losing him. So he says, in the Lord. They were all in the Lord. He would be rejoicing in them. Uh, he was practicing what he would preach. He told them, I'll rejoice with you. It's my loss. It's your gain. But we're all in the Lord when rejoice together. Man, I tell you what a difference it would be if Christians could be in that mindset and not worry about whether it's my gain or your gain or my loss or your We could just all be happy for one another. Amen? In the Lord. Now, this was tough for Paul, but he was practicing what he preached. Hold such in reputation. The word rep, in reputation here means honor or precious. The exact same word is used in 1 Peter 2.4, where Christ is described as a living stone, disallowed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Same word there. Epaphroditus was precious. Paul's telling the believers back home, hey, you show him some honor. He's been a blessing to me. He's been a help to me. And what a blessing that is for him. Uh, his commitment he says, why? Because his work for Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. He gave a higher priority to the work of God than he gave even to his own life. To put himself, uh, to tie his wagon to Paul, he's putting himself in harm's way. To become an associate of Paul, he's, uh, he's endangering his own life. Uh, I mean, Paul's in the, the, uh, he's in the sights of Nero himself. But he refused to regard his life. Seems in 229 here, uh, in, in verse 29, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. He didn't even let sickness get in his way. He'd come to minister to Paul and nothing deterred him. Brings up the question for us, what does it take to make us quit? You know, some people quit at the slightest difficulty. Um, the, the first... It's like me with running. I hate running. I, I go to the gym most every morning, try to run a little bit, but I mean, I, unless somebody's chasing me, there's just no purpose in running, and I don't like it. Uh, I did a little this morning. I know it's good to, to get your heart rate up a little bit, um, but I quit running at the slightest discomfort. I mean, I'll run a little bit, and as soon as I start breathing heavier, or it starts hurting in here, I'm, stop, I, I'm done. My wife, push through it. Just push through it. She's, you know, she's done 5Ks and all that stuff. And uh, just got to push through the pain. No, I don't, I don't like pushing through the pain. So uh, it doesn't take much to make me quit running. But Christian life, what's it take to make us quit? We ought to put a higher value on that. The true measure of a man or a woman is what it takes to make them quit. I tell you that tonight that there are, there are no, there's really no such thing as a failure. By the way, failure is an event. It's not a person. Let's, let's not attribute failure as a person. It's an event, something that happens. But there really is no such thing as a failure, just a quitter. Thomas Edison was a failure thousands of times, but he never quit, so he ended up a success. We just need to keep going, and don't quit. Uh, don't let difficulties make you quit. And then he ends here, to supply your lack of service toward me. I think it's important that we mention that because that sounds kind of like you didn't take care of me, so he did. Not at all what Paul's saying here. It's in the context. Uh, he's simply saying, hey, you couldn't be here. He was. Thank you. Thank you for sending somebody. And I understand. he understood they all couldn't be there. So what you could not do, 
he did for you. Epaphroditus ministered to Paul on behalf of the church at Philippi, and he did it at the risk of his life. This is a great example of how the church has different roles within it. They couldn't be where he was. He couldn't be, hey, by the way, while Epaphroditus was away, somebody was at home at church. They were preaching. They were, if they had Sunday school classes back then, they were running the bus. I know that. The bus ministry is biblical, right? So uh, they were running the bus there, and, and somebody was uh, somebody was doing all those things. The church has different roles and, and different people for different things. Epaphroditus was taking care of Paul. All of us, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And all of us ought to do something that can be attributed to the whole. Just just get involved in the church in some way. By the way, in case you're interested, I know that we can't all visit missionaries, the missionaries of Hawaii. I'm willing to go on your behalf, if anybody, just so you know, and have the example. Okay, so these are Paul's examples. You have Jesus Christ, who took a couple of messages for that. And then you have Timothy. Jesus Christ was our example in sacrifice. Timothy was our example in service. And Epaphroditus was our example in resolve. Or if you want an S word, stick to it uh, Sacrifice, service, and stick to it or resolve. That was Epaphroditus. Uh, how are we doing in those areas? We, we certainly <coughs> can do more in sacrifice like Jesus did. We can all do more in service like Timothy did and uh, do it without need for recognition. Timothy was just able, willing to get involved. And then Epaphroditus, he didn't, let, he didn't stop. He didn't stop at the threat of his life. He didn't stop when he got sick. He just kept on uh, doing what he could. Again, as I said, we can't be a Christ. We cannot probably be an Apostle Paul, but we can be an Epaphroditus. We can be a Timothy. Let's just be faithful and, uh, and uh, try to please the Lord in that way. All right?